Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I never believed in the stories whispered around the campfires, tales of elusive creatures stalking the deep woods. As a park ranger responsible for maintaining a popular hiking trail, I prided myself on my rationality and skepticism. However, the reports began to flood in, hikers claiming to have encountered a towering Bigfoot-like figure along the path I knew so well. I laughed it off at first, dismissing the accounts as overactive imaginations fueled by the eerie silence of the dense forest. But as the tales persisted, 
So did the unease that crept into the hearts of those who ventured into the woods. Curiosity and a growing sense of duty led me to investigate. One foggy evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon and shadows stretched like fingers across the trail, I decided to hike the path myself. Armed with a flashlight in my skepticism, I treaded carefully along the well-worn trail, casting wary glances into the trees. The air seemed to thicken with an unspoken presence, and every rustle of leaves made my heart skip a beat. I shook off the eerie feeling, convincing myself it was merely the product of an overactive imagination. That's when I heard it, a low, guttural growl that resonated through the trees. My flashlight trembled in my grasp as I turned to face the source of the sound. There in the shadows emerged a massive figure. It stood at least eight feet tall, covered in coarse matted fur that seemed to absorb the moonlight. Its eyes gleamed with an otherworldly intelligence and a foul odor hung in the air. The Bigfoot-like creature moved with an unsettling grace, its movement silent yet purposeful. Panic seized me, and instinct took over. I fumbled for the tranquilizer gun slung across my chest, convinced that capturing this creature would put an end to the unsettling reports. With a shaky hand, I aimed at the creature, my fingers trembling on the trigger. But before I could squeeze it, the creature vanished into the shadows, leaving only the echoes of its growls behind. I stood frozen, my breath shallow, grappling with the reality of what I had just witnessed. As I stumbled back along the trail, the forest seemed to close in around me. Its once familiar embrace, now tainted by the unknown. The reports of encounters weren't mere campfire tales. They were chilling truths etched into the heart of the woods. The legend of the Bigfoot-like figure that haunted the trail became more than just folklore. It was a living nightmare, and I, the skeptical park ranger, was now a reluctant believer, forever haunted by the memory of a creature that defied explanation, slipping away into the darkness, leaving me to grapple with a terrifying unknown that lurked within the depths of the forest. My husband listens to your podcast regularly, and until a couple days ago, I thought he was nuts. While I encounter was not as up, close and personal, it was nonetheless terrifying to me, and I feel that it has forever changed me. In the way I view the world, I had just arrived home a few minutes after dusk after visiting my parents. Our location is rural, but we do have a few neighbors within shouting distance of us. We have 33 acres of mixed forests and fields with lots of thick brush, consisting mostly of briars. I had my two young children with me, in the Jeep, ages two years and eleven months. When I pulled in the driveway that night, my husband was working late with an emergency case. It was near fully dark when I arrived home. As soon as I stepped from my vehicle, I felt creeped out. It felt different outside. We have lots of peepers and crickets that would normally be making lots of noise. Even the birds are usually chirping until an hour or more past dark. This time, there was not a sound. It was very warm that evening, so the peepers should have been in full chorus. Because of my uneasy feeling, I was rushing to get the kids in the house at the same time and did not want to leave RJ in the car alone for a minute as I routinely do. 
He and our older daughter, who was asleep, are normally too heavy for me to carry together at the same time. That night, though, I grabbed them both, one in each arm, after finding my keys to the front door and carried them both. Usually, I would use the auto garage door, however, the opener did not work. When I reached the front door at the top of the stairs and got situated on the front porch, I put down Angelina in order to open the front door. As soon as I turned my attention back to the front door, it happened. Somewhere to my left came a sound that will be forever seared into my memory. It started low and slowly increased to a moderately loud growl. It was deep-toned and very guttural and was angry or hateful in character. It was nothing like anything I had ever heard before, but it did sound canine in origin, especially after spending an hour listening to various animal growls. The growl continued for approximately ten seconds. I was so terrified I was fumbling with the keys. It really felt like I was dropped into an 80s horror film. I really did think I was going to die. I was sure any second the thing making this sound was going to pounce upon me and the kids and eat us right on the spot. The growl sounded as though the creature was standing just off to my left. I refused to look out of fear of what I would see. It sounded so close and at or even above eye level with me. My porch extends another five feet to the left, and then off the porch is the front of the house. There's thirty five yards of grass to the edge of the tree line, and there's a field with two foot tall grass opposite that. There's also a small shed between our porch and the tree line. Standing on the front porch from my head to the ground is approximately nine feet. So I assume it was standing near the corner of the house. I'd never been so afraid until a few moments later when it actually spoke to me. As the growl continued, it seemed to melt into audible words, spoken in a very deep and gruff tone that seemed to have a rough sort of reverberation quality to them. What I heard as clear as day was, you can't get in. The only word that I'm unsure of is the first, you. As the sound of growl transitioned to English words, and it sounded more like ee, now I was hysterical in dropping the keys. Finally, I got the right one in and got the door open and got in. I had to kick my daughter through the door, regretfully. Strangely, she seemed oblivious to what had just transpired, as if she didn't hear it. I slammed the door shut and never looked. I didn't hear anything else that night. I called my husband and his friend to let them know what happened, so I never did actually see what terrorized me because I couldn't look. I've had two days to, to think about this encounter and talk with my husband, who has listened to every episode of Dogman Encounters Radio. I'm fairly certain that this was what was growling at me. The sound was not human and seemed like it was amped or mic'd up because it seemed so powerful. Not that it was a loud growl, but it seemed unnatural. Also, the height it seemed to emanate from and the silence that preceded it lead me to that conclusion. My husband agrees because the entire week he too has been on edge. We have lived here for a year and all seemed normal until this week. Our cat, which is an indoor cat, got out accidentally and has vanished without a trace. She has gotten out before and just stood around until we got her back in the house. Also, my husband said Tuesday night he experienced the silence outside, and it really unnerved him, too. 
He says he has never experienced anything so eerie. On Wednesday, he took our dog up into the woods to look for our cat and felt very uneasy. He said the dog kept tucking its tail and turning around, wanting to go home. It's not like our dog or my husband to feel uneasy in the woods, because both of them love the outdoors and are very comfortable in nature. On Thursday at dusk, he took the dog around the back lot and says something took off from the thickets at a sprint and came crashing through the woods, down the hill towards him. He always carries a sidearm when he is out and is normally not afraid of anything. But he actually turned and ran back up towards the house. Whatever was charging stopped second. After he stopped to listen and did not make another sound, he was very concerned when he came in, stating that he knows what big game sounds like and that this was just not right. Even he was surprised that he ran from the sound. The following day was when my encounter happened. After talking about all of these events with my husband, we are concerned that there is a dogman in the area. My husband listened to episodes 90 and 91 and is so worried that this thing has decided to stalk one or both of our kids. My husband said that based on those episodes, it sounds like the dogman plans ahead when snatching kids and he thinks it may have been scouting the area with plans to do just that. He said it was doing that or that it was waiting for me to leave one of the kids in the jeep for a minute. Either way, none of this is good. The main reason why I wanted to submit this was because it seems very unique in that it spoke to me. It wasn't the words, but the feeling it gave me that disturbed me most. It was as if it was trying to give me the impression that I was nothing and that I was weak and just food. I got the impression that it was saying can't get in, like aha, you're mine. It's hard to explain because it seemed like it was conveying its frame of mind and that it was, for lack of a better description, making fun of me in a very cruel way. I really want to know if you have ever heard of one of these monsters actually speaking. My husband and I really want to believe that our conclusions are wrong, but instinct and your show have us highly convinced that it, in fact, was a dogman. We thank you deeply for keeping the show going, being informed, and not leading us to believe that the monster is probably literally hiding out and waiting for us. That just might save one or all of our lives. Thank you for all that you do. Please let us know what you think about all of this. At the time that this incident occurred, I was homeless and got around on an old bicycle. One evening, I was looking for a spot to set up a quick campsite in a small patch of woods along a public bicycle path in west-central Dark County, Ohio. I was cold and eager to get a small fire started and get into my sleeping bag. The area is a refuge for stray cats. Many locals drop off their unwanted or stray cats in this area and some local kind-hearted folks feed them and provide plastic containers for shelter. When I found what I thought would be a suitable spot to set up camp, I set my bag down and walked a few steps to a large tree to empty my bladder. I had a small flashlight in my bag, but the night sky provided enough light after my eyes were adjusted. Suddenly, a cat dashed through the brush very near me and startling me, then another further to left. 
As I looked toward the sound of the last cat running, I could make out the shape of the plastic containers in a small circle. These containers house some cats. I then noticed three sets of pinkish, orange glowing objects with slight movement. I first assumed the glowing objects were the reflection of three cats' eyes. After watching the objects further, approximately 30 seconds, I saw that the glowing was in fact some sort of eyewear worn by three human-like figures. As I knelt down to watch, I could see these figures were handling the cats, and the subjects were wearing very low reflective off, white or gray coveralls. After about two minutes, all three subjects turned their heads toward me, thinking they might be animal control workers and not wanting to frighten them. I stood up and asked, How are you doing? With no vocal response, all three began moving towards me, instantly closing the thirty feet that separated us. Slowly again, I asked, What are you guys doing out here? They continued moving towards me. I heard them talking or communicating, but inside my head, in, in a strange whisper, I couldn't understand. I also noticed they were shorter than me. I'm five foot ten, and guess they were ten to twelve foot shorter than me. I turned, got on my bicycle, and pedaled out of there. After several minutes of fast riding, I noticed no vehicles or signs of activity. It was almost like I entered a time warp. I didn't notice anyone or anything following me. I eventually found my way out of the area, but I was disoriented for many hours. I didn't sleep that night and continued riding west until I couldn't continue. I finally stopped and slept a few hours in a small park. I have no idea who those figures in the coveralls were, but I don't believe that they were human. The usually peaceful Amish neighborhood had been transformed into a hotbed of tense excitement and fear, all centered around a little white church standing serenely on the prairie. The Amish farmers and their families, known for their sedate and staid ways, were now gripped by curiosity and anxiety. The cause of their disquiet was a real live ghost that had taken a liking to haunting the immediate vicinity of the church. Rumors of the playful and ethereal apparition spread like wildfire among the villagers. Stout-hearted men, unafraid of fear, claimed to have seen it describing a four-foot-tall figure with broad and squat proportions, long arms, and unnaturally large black eyes. The ghost's first appearance had been witnessed by a young man from Clarion, who encountered it one night after returning home from spending time with his sweetheart. He shared his eerie experience with the villagers, but despite many keeping a watchful eye, the ghost remained elusive. Determined to debunk the stories and prove their bravery, four young men armed themselves with courage and muscle and set out to investigate the haunted church. As they circled the building and its surroundings, nothing seemed out of the ordinary, and they began to doubt the tales. However, as they passed the church again, they were startled to find what seemed. Like a shadow crouching on the steps, the strange figure beckoned them with its eerie hands, inviting them to follow. Attempting to confront the ghost, they aimed their weapons, but it vanished every time they looked directly at it. Fear gripped them, their hair stood on end, and their bodies were drenched in sweat. The ghost seemed to taunt them, appearing on the church roof. 
its arms outstretched in a chilling gesture. Overwhelmed and frightened, they decided to retreat from the haunted place, no longer doubting the existence of the apparition. Their harrowing encounter spread like wildfire, and many ridiculed them, dismissing the ghost as a mere figment of their imagination. But the four young men stood firm, adamant that they had seen and felt the ghost's eerie presence. Since that fateful night, the bravest and most reckless among the villagers kept a vigilant watch, determined to solve the mystery of the ghost. Despite the scoffs and laughter from some, the four witnesses remained steadfast in their claim, convinced that they had encountered something otherworldly that defied explanation. The little white church on the prairie became a beacon of curiosity and trepidation, attracting both the daring and the doubtful. The mystery of the playful ghost continued to linger in the hearts of the villagers, leaving them to wonder what lay beyond the realm of their understanding and experience. And so, the neighborhood remained wrapped in tension and anticipation, with each night bringing a fresh wave of brave souls, hoping to unlock the secrets of the enigmatic spirit that called the church its home. In my senior year of high school, a small group of like six of us decided to go camping one night, but none of us told our parents or anyone else what we were doing or where we were going. We ended up going to this campground, but all the sights were taken, so we drove really far out, to the point where we no longer saw campsites and we reached the end of the road. We found a small clearing that would fit our two cars and huge tent. It was already pitch black when we got there, so we couldn't see anything and set up a fire. We cooked some food, sat up telling stories, and eventually set up the big eight-person tent to sleep. We had heard a pack of coyotes, and I swear I heard a panther, though my group didn't hear it. So I was already pretty spooked, not to mention my crippling anxiety, but managed to fall asleep feeling somewhat safe with the six of us in the tent. Now I'm an extremely light sleeper and wake up to even the slightest sound. Every crunch and rustle woke me up, but what woke me around one in the morning really scared the shit out of me. Something was sniffing at my head from the outside of the tent. I immediately started crying and woke up my friend next to me when the sniffing stopped telling her what had happened. She tried brushing it off until it had sniffed us again, this time closer to her head. Whatever it was began circling our tent then. I legitimately thought I was doing to die that night. We woke up everyone else, and there we were, huddled together, scared shirtless, waiting for whatever it was to go away. Eventually, after circling our tent many times and continued sniffing, it left. It was the worst sleep I've ever gotten. When we woke up that morning, we left right away, but not before seeing the big sign that said Bear Sanctuary in our small clearing. It could have been a dog, but it kept circling our tent and sounded big, and along with the Bear Sanctuary and supposed panther hearing, I doubt it was just a dog. I was backpacking the river-to-river -river trail alone and was staying the night at one horse gap in Shawnee Forest. I set up my campsite and did a little exploring around the area walking along a cliff edge. I came back, started a fire, and ate some crappy freeze-dried meal. 
It's almost 10 and I'm looking at the stars and I hear from the area I was exploring earlier. This loud animal noise, it sounded like a monkey howling. I'm not an expert in animal sounds, but I do know most of the sounds in that area since I hiked them quite frequently and I had no idea what it was. I went into my tent shortly after and started to go to sleep when I heard, probably within 100 feet of my tent, a sound like a single big footstep. No worries, probably a deer. Then I heard it again a few minutes later and again a few minutes later. Then I heard several steps back to back getting closer. My mind was racing what it could be, but since I was alone, I was prone to freak out a little more. So I just told myself to calm down, it's just a deer. Then I hear the noise of something dropping on the rock I'm camping on. I'm on the side of a small cliff and the tree line's about ten feet away. Then I hear it again. It sounded like rock hitting rock, like the rocks were getting thrown at me. It happened a few more times and then one hit my tent. At that moment I'm convinced it's a Samsquanch. I peek out the netting at the top of my tent and scream as loud as I can hay. After that I didn't hear anything, rocks or footsteps and I just wanted to go to sleep so I wouldn't freak out anymore. I told myself it just had to be acorns falling from the trees and eventually got to sleep. So the next morning I got out of my tent and inspected the ground. There are no acorns or pine cones or anything but rocks on the ground. I'm still telling myself it couldn't have been the rocks because they would have to have been thrown. But I pick up a rock, throw it in the air, and let it hit and it was the exact same noise I heard the night before. I packed it up and noped out to there. I'll never forget that day at work when my co-workers and I found ourselves discussing paranormal experiences. It had been an unusually slow day at the deli with hardly any customers, so we decided to share some spooky stories to pass the time. One of the deli workers had a particularly chilling story to tell. He recounted an incident that had taken place about a year back when he and several friends were having a BBQ and decided to spend the night at his house. The way he told the story made my spine tingle with anticipation. According to him, they were all gathered on the back porch, just enjoying each other's company and talking late into the night. Everything seemed perfectly ordinary until, out of nowhere, one of his friends let out a startled yell and pointed towards the tree line. All eyes turned to where his friend was pointing, and there, standing by a tree, they saw what appeared to be a human figure. The atmosphere on the porch suddenly shifted, and a sense of unease settled over the group. They were all frozen in place, trying to make sense of what they were seeing. But the terror didn't end there. In a matter of seconds, the human figure seemed to transform into a canine shape right before their eyes. The creature vanished into the woods, leaving the group dumbfounded and shaken. The daily worker who had shared the story swore that none of them were drunk or under the influence of any substances. They didn't want to behave recklessly around the children who were also present at the gathering. As I listened to his story, I couldn't help but feel a mixture of fear and fascination. It sounded like something straight out of a horror movie. I could only imagine the fear and confusion they must have experienced at that moment. After hearing this tale, 
the curiosity in our group grew, and we couldn't help but wonder what they had encountered that fateful night. Was it a trick of the light, an optical illusion, or something more supernatural? We couldn't say for sure, but one thing was certain. There was something eerie and unexplainable lurking in those woods. As the day at the dealer continued, we often found ourselves glancing towards the tree line, half expecting to catch a glimpse of the enigmatic figure ourselves. The daylight worker's story left a lasting impression on all of us, and we were left with a haunting question. What could possibly take on the form of both a human and a canine? The mystery remained unsolved, and we could only wonder if there were more secrets hidden in the darkness of that forest, waiting to be discovered by unsuspecting eyes. We were investigating a campsite surrounded by blood and lots of reported Bigfoot activity. As we were patrolling the area on the lookout for any suspicious activity, we heard something heavy crawling through the brush, breaking branches as it moved. It stopped once we turned off our lights and we could hear something right beside us. It was breathing very heavily, making strange noises, and suddenly we see this large, dark shape jumping right between my partner and me. Before turning around to face us, it was at least eight feet tall, about five feet wide, and had yellow glowing eyes in the darkness. It stared us down intensely for a moment before turning and running off into the woods after it realized it had been spotted. I don't think it expected us to be there. We searched for footprints or anything else beyond being completely terrified about what we had just seen. But we knew our job meant that we had to follow it and find out who or what it was. My partner and I just kept looking at each other in disbelief after seeing what a creature this was. Clearly, there was nothing about this that was human in any way, shape, or form. The strange part, though, is that even though we did report this incident to our higher-ups, they didn't seem the least bit concerned. They talked as if they knew something but weren't going to tell us. Anyway, if you manage to get your hands on any sort of Bigfoot encounters or stories, I would love to read them and try to educate myself on what it is that we saw. And don't get me wrong, my partner and I were completely horrified by this. Still am. It's still rough to talk about, but I figured I have to at least come to terms with it. We're very lucky that this large animal didn't attack us and kill us. The night was unusually dark as I drove my truck along the highway in Arizona, transporting wood logs to my next destination. The only source of light came from the headlights cutting through the blackness, creating a tunnel of visibility ahead. The vast expanse of desert stretched out on either side, casting eerie shadows under the moonless sky. As I continued down the lonely road, my thoughts drifted away, consumed by the rhythmic hum of the engine and the monotony of the journey. However, a sudden glimmer of two glowing lights in the distance jolted me back to full alertness. Curiosity peaked. I wondered if it was another vehicle, or perhaps some sort of roadside emergency. As I drew closer, my heart began to race, and a sense of dread washed over me. There, on the deserted highway, stumbling and waddling, was a grotesque creature. 
Its movements were awkward, dragging one of its legs with each step, and it seemed to be engrossed in its own actions. The sight of it made me cringe and shudder, as if a primal instinct within me recognized the unnatural and dangerous presence before me. The creature's facial features, what little I could discern from the distance, were enough to make my stomach drop to my ass. It appeared male, but its face was a horrifying sight to behold. The creature's disfigured jaw hung open, making its already ghastly skinny face appear even more unsettling. Deep, dark eye bags gave its eye sockets an empty, soulless look, and its mouth stretched wide open, creating a hauntingly hollow expression. I couldn't shake the feeling that the creature was staring into the depths of my soul. As I approached, other horrifying physical attributes became apparent. The creature had no clothes, its deathly skinny frame, almost skeletal in appearance. Its height was unnaturally tall, even freakishly so, and its body was covered in layers of dirt and grime. Though hard to make out in the dim light, I could tell it probably looked white. Feeling an overpowering mix of fear and morbid curiosity, I instinctively pulled my truck to a stop. My eyes widened as I saw the creature devouring a deer right there on the road. It tore at the carcass with a savage hunger, making my skin crawl and my mind scream at me to drive away. But before I could react, the creature noticed me, its head snapping up to face my direction. It was as if the beast had sensed my presence all along, and was now ready to confront the intruder. My heart hammered in my chest, and panic surged through my veins. In that heart-stopping moment, I knew I had to get out of there. With trembling hands, I turned the key in the ignition, revving up the engine. The creature's chilling shrieks echoed through the night as it ran towards me with unnatural speed. Fear gripped me like a vase, and without hesitation, I slammed my foot on the gas pedal. The tires screeching as the truck shot forward. The creature lunged towards me, its grotesque features contorting with rage, but I was already accelerating away from that nightmarish sight. My heart didn't settle until I had put a considerable distance between myself and that horror. My breaths came in ragged gasps as I drove on, adrenaline coursing through my veins. What had I just witnessed? Truck driver in the United States. I had just started trucking and had been at it a few months. I was with a company that makes you ride teams for the first six months. The guy they teamed me with isn't a bad guy, but like everyone, there are always some things you don't like about other people. These things aren't horrible, but little things. Well, we were at a shipper one day at a slaughterhouse. The smell. I don't see how the employees manage it. We get hooked to our trailer, and I head in to get my paperwork. Leave only to find out, thankfully before I left that the seal number was different than what was on the papers. I go back in to correct this mistake, and as I walk in, there is another trucker following me in. While I wait on my paperwork again, this guy and I strike up a conversation. In the middle of the convo, or rather towards the end, I happen to mention my mild frustrations about my partner. I want to paint a picture of this guy real quick. Six feet not fat, but has a bit of a trucker's pudge going on, and around fifty years on him. 
His arms, I didn't really notice at first, had hundreds of small, inch-long cut scars, all different directions all over what I could see of his arms. He wore a short-sleeved T-shirt. He also had some of these small scares on the neck around the collar of his shirt, but not so many. Bit of a wild look in his eye. Anyways, back to the story. In hearing my frustrations, this man proceeded to tell me that I have to... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Let it go. I said, yeah, it really isn't that big a deal, so I don't think about it there. Guy, just let the demons out. He gestures a fist and drags it across his gut as if he were holding a knife and cutting himself with it. Guy, you gotta let the demons out and let them fall and walk away, gesturing every word he is saying. The man then proceeded to pull his shirt up, and I now witnessed the same scaring from his arms on his stomach. All over. Hundreds. What got me the most was the really big one. Right in line with where he dragged his fist. I was in shock realizing the situation. This man has done this to himself, and is probably speaking literally. As my brain is racing, all I think is I need to be gone from here. So I nod my head in agreement because I don't know what he would do if I didn't, and promptly ask for my paperwork with a staunch voice. Nothing came of it, but that man is seriously disturbed and I think needs professional help. I hope he got it. It was the first and only time that I had ever genuinely feared for my life interacting with another individual on a face-to-face basis. It was a chilly afternoon in the heart of the forest, and I was hiking along a scenic trail, enjoying the solitude and the beauty of nature. The rustling leaves under my boots and the distant chirping of birds created a peaceful ambience around me. Little did I know that this tranquil hike would lead me to an inexplicable encounter that would forever remain etched in my memory. As I trekked deeper into the wilderness, I noticed a tree line not far from the trail. My curiosity sparked, and I decided to venture closer to take a peek at the dense vegetation beyond. My heart skipped a beat when, from the corner of my eye, I saw a large figure moving amidst the trees. At first I thought it was a bear, and my heart raced with a mix of excitement and fear. But as I focused on the creature, my astonishment grew. This was no ordinary bear. It was running on its hand legs. I rubbed my eyes, thinking I must be seeing things. 
but there it was, unmistakable. This creature was sprinting, its arms raised above its head like a human running in a race. My mind was a whirlwind of emotions and confusion. My instincts told me to retreat, but my curiosity held me in place, trying to comprehend the bizarre sight before me. I couldn't believe what I was witnessing. It defied everything I knew about bears. They don't run on their hind legs, do they? The creature continued its unusual dash along the tree line for what felt like an eternity, but was probably only a few seconds. Then, as abruptly as it appeared, it vanished into the thick foliage. My heart pounded in my chest, and my mind raced with questions. What had I just witnessed? Was it a bear imitating human? Like movements? Or was it something entirely different? I cautiously made my way back to the main trail, my thoughts consumed by the enigmatic encounter. As I returned to civilization, I couldn't shake off the image of that strange creature. Later that day, I decided to share my story with a few fellow hikers and locals. To my surprise, I was met with skepticism and disbelief. People often mistake things in the woods. They said, bears don't run on their hind legs. I nodded, trying to accept their rational explanation, but deep down I knew what I saw was real. The memory of that bear-like creature running on its hind legs with its arms raised above its head remained vivid in my mind. During the summer of 1987, I was hiking with eight other teams and three adult instructors in the Three Sisters Wilderness in Oregon. We were heading up a low ridge around dusk, over to the left and towards the base. There was a small pond, and as we reached the top, there was a small lake to the right down the other side of the ridge. The instructors set up camp further up the ridge, about 50 yards from us. We were setting up our tarps and collecting water for the night, making dinner egg. The sun was down, but it was still light enough to see clearly for maybe thirty more minutes. Alex went to relieve himself, and we could still see the instructors up the hill from us, when all of a sudden a rock about the size of a bowling ball came flying into our camp. We, where shocked, then started yelling at Alex. Knock it off, Guerrera. Then another one came and another. The rocks were not too close to us, but close enough to be somewhat of a danger. Then Alex came back. We all got in his face and were really upset. Then another rock came down. We all ran up to where the instructors were at and told them what happened. They, of course, thought we were full of it, when from out of nowhere again came another rock, not so close, but again close enough. It is getting quite dark now and all set back to back in a circle, with our ice axes in our hands. I think we stayed up all night. But the next day, we all just left and never spoke about it again. About ten years ago, I was living with my aunt, and I basically had the basement family room to myself. The house setup was odd because the basement had its own entrance, which was really ground level, and the rest of the house was built into or onto a hill. In order to walk in the formal front door, you would have to go up a flight of stairs, but right off the driveway was the basement door. The house is old, and the lock on the basement door is tricky, and there have been many nights when I just went to sleep and forgot to, or didn't lock the door right, 
it had to be slammed shut, etc. One night I awake from sleep in a distressed panic as if I was having a nightmare, but I didn't, to the best of my knowledge, have a nightmare. Basically, it felt like something bad was transpiring. As I lay in bed, I could hear someone tinkering with the basement lock and door. I listen to verify, and then it becomes painfully aware that someone is outside trying to get in. I walk over to the door slowly and look out the peephole, but I can't see anything because it is way too dark outside. There's a switch to turn on the floodlight about four feet from the door, so I switch it on and quickly get to the peephole to see who was out there. When I look through the peephole, I see a middle-aged, bald, somewhat husky white male, but I can't see his face because he is looking back at where the light is. I guess he was checking to see who put a light on him or what was going on. I run upstairs, wake up my family, grab a golf club, and call the police. They take 30 minutes to get there, shine a spotlight around the yard, and leave. I didn't get any sleep that night. I spent a lot of time hunting by myself in the American Southwest, mainly Arizona. I'm always armed, and this story will explain why. I was three days into a week-long predator hunt. I mainly hunt coyote, but also by a mountain lion permit, as they frequent the area and often respond to my predator calls. I awoke one night in my camp to voices around the perimeter of my camp. They were all in Spanish and in a hushed tone, but in the desert, noise travels very far. I was sleeping in my pickup truck camper, but had the windows open for ventilation. I woke to the voices and quietly readied my sidearm in case they were smugglers or someone looking to rob me. I waited for what felt like hours in the darkness, but really was maybe 20 minutes. After a time, I decided to investigate instead of fall back asleep. As quietly as I could, I put on my boots and grabbed my rifle and peered around me. The moon was half full and the sky clear, so I could see a great distance around me. I saw four figures huddled around the remains of my campfire, using it to heat some sort of pot or can his food or water. I waited inside my truck, trying not to move, as I didn't know their intentions. After about a half hour, they quietly moved on in the northern direction but I never fell back asleep. I waited until dawn before going back to sleep and reported them to the border patrol agent on my way out of the range. I never saw any footprints or signs that they were even there the next morning, only a small depression in my fire where their potter can had sat. Other than that, they were gone without a trace. I assumed they were just people crossing the border illegally to find work or trafficking drugs, but I never knew for certain. I shuddered to think what would have happened if I had confronted them, as I, I don't know if they were armed or not. I don't go hunting alone anymore. I live in Finland, most sparsely populated country in Europe. Over 70% of the country is forest. So me and my friends have just recently got a Mope T driving license, as we are 15 now. We thought it would be fun to drive to this huge-ass forest to camp. The forest is, like, very big, maybe over 30 kilometers or more till the other town. So we drive there. There are three of us. 
we set a camp and just chill out. After some phone watching and campfire, roasted sausage eating, we go for a little ride. The clock is about 20 or 8 p.m. They hop on their dirt bikes, me on my scooter, scooter perfect for forest driving. We're like three kilometers out in the forest driving these little forestry roads until strangely we can't hear any birds singing no more. At this point, I should probably mention that at this part in Finland where I live, it doesn't get dark at night in summer at all. So anyways, it is literally silent. We shut down our bikes and stare at each other. We were there for a couple of minutes and then just started driving again. At some point, we heard a scream. Not big, but little. Well, that's just a fox. The forest is full of those. We continue. The road ends at this point, and I said that we need to turn back. I'm not going to the forest with my scooter. And now we hear the scream. It is so close that we all literally jump. We try to start our engines like crazy and drive out fast. Remember, even though the clock is now like 20, one, it is not dark at all. So we drive as fast as we can. And then I see it. Actually, we all see it. A white man just standing in the forest looking at us. It looked just like others have pictured it at this sub. The creature just looked at us as we drove past it, and nothing crazy happened. Fast forward, the clock is almost midnight, and we are laughing and eating some candy. Suddenly, we heard loud banging noise. I still don't know where it came from, because in the forest, there is nothing that makes that kind of noise. It was like banging on metal. We were scared and moved to our tents. We were there for another hour or something like that. Then we want to go to sleep. We do our usual things before bed. Eat, brush our teeth, etc. As I'm taking a piss near a tree, I see this man again. And it is so scary. Like it was almost 2.5 meters long, I'd say. It just looked at me from the forest and I see it so clear. Like every detail. It was white, had a ugly looking skin. Its eyes were black and long hands. It had no hair at all. I literally almost started to cry and shouted for for them. I explained that the same guy we saw earlier was there. For some reason, they didn't care at all. So we just go to sleep, even though I couldn't sleep almost at all. There was almost no action at night unless I suddenly woke up to my moped being on. I looked out and the F my moped was running. I don't know no for how long it had ran. One of my friends woke up at almost the same time as me and walked out of his tent. He was confused and laughed and just said, Why are you driving at like 5 am? I just said I don't know. Was I sleepwalking? Well, I still don't know what caused this. I don't really believe some humanoid guy can start a moped, but it seems like it can. We just left at the morning, and my friends reported that they had been hearing strange noises throughout the night. I don't know, I guess I'm not going to go there again. I'm not really scared, too. I'm just confused, even though I was so scared when I saw it. Sorry, I'm bad at writing. For about a month now, every time I leave my boyfriend's house late at night, between 12 and 4 a.m., which is quite often, I hear rustling in the forest next to his place. The first time it happened, we both heard it, but saw nothing. 
I asked him if it was a deer, but the land next to his house is an incredibly steep slope and fenced in, so not sure why a deer would be right on the edge of the tree line. I was not scared at this point. The next few times creeped me out a bit. The rustling was accompanied by bigger and taller branches breaking as whatever it is scurried away. For context, his kitchen is right beside the forest and has large windows all around, so you can see into it pretty easily. At this point, I wasn't sure what to make of it. Around the fifth or sixth time, I would asked him if he had seen anything else, and he mentioned that the night before, as I walked away, he spotted a creature stretched low to the ground pale, long, and weirdly shaped limbs. He mentioned that it moved strangely, and he had no idea what it was. My boyfriend is very skeptical, so he kind of laughed at me when I kept asking him questions about the creature's appearance. The next night it happened once more, except this time as I got in my car to drive home. I was hit with the worst feeling of absolute dread and the most gut-wrenching nausea I had ever experienced. I hadn't eaten anything unusual, and it was so random I wasn't sure what to make of it. I've never felt dread, panic, or nausea all at once like this before, and I've encountered some near-death experiences. The only other unusual thing that has been happening is I have been hearing a weird, high-pitched screech, frequency that is coming from that forest area. There's no farmland or anything else near. It's not coming from inside the house. I haven't seen the creature myself, so all I have to go off of is my boyfriend's depiction, but given he doesn't believe in anything otherworldly or aside from the norm, I'm choosing to trust it. The creature making these sounds from the forest every single night has to be pretty big because it hits branches that are high up and causes a pretty big ruckus when it scurries away. Any ideas what I could be dealing with? I will say I haven't heard it the last few times. I haven't changed anything, except maybe leaving a bit earlier. This sighting occurred near Blackstone in Brunswick County, Virginia. It happened in May at 2 o'clock in the morning. The location is an area of the resident's backyard where he's got woods that are alongside a soybean field. The witness and his son were outside armed with a pistol and a shotgun. They were checking for what had made a heavy thud sound at the back of their house. They thought it might be a burglar or a bear, especially since something had been causing trouble around their property for the past two years. This is what the witness stated in his report. I saw a deer run as if it was being chased. Then I saw a huge figure step out of the woods. This thing was at least eight feet tall. I screamed out to this thing to stop. It moved toward us running. I told my son to shoot. He shot in its direction. Then it ran to my left flank and continued to run toward us. We ran back towards the house. I was in terror because the thing was shaped like a man, but it was covered with hair. I stopped and watched it walk into the light from the house. It was huge and there was an odor that really stunk. It stayed in sight for about five minutes before it walked into the woods. There was follow-up report from a local investigator, D, who confirmed the event with the sun. He said it was too dark to see well, but he could clearly hear loud, heavy running footsteps coming towards them. The witness also said it made a huffing noise and a shrieking sound when his son shot his gun. 
The thing rapidly approached the father and son and stopped just 15 feet short of where the witness stood. In the seconds before the witness turned and ran back to his house, he saw a massive creature four feet wide that dropped from two legs to a three-point crouch, placing one hand on the ground. While it was too dark to make out the details of the face, he felt he could see well enough to discern a surprised look on the creature's face. It looked at him panting heavily at this point. The man and son ran back to their house where his wife was. She told D.K. that her husband's face was blanched. White with a look of terror ran. For some time, he was unable to verbalize clearly. When he had calmed down enough to tell her what he'd seen, he could only describe it as a big, hairy demon. When the witness investigated the area the next day, there were 18 to 20 inch long footprints in the field. He also found long brown and gray hair in the woods behind his home. This isn't the first time strange things have happened at his property. There had been several occurrences of what we would call possible Bigfoot activity that he had attributed to people messing around on his property. Something had been pounding on the walls of his home and throwing rocks at his family and onto his roof. On many occasions, heavy things like a riding lawnmower or trailer had been moved overnight. There had also been loud howls coming out of the woods at night. Their young daughter had claimed to see a hairy man outside a window, but the witness didn't believe her at the time. This was prior to him having this actual visual encounter where he saw this creature just 15 feet away from him. Also, the witness may have seen this creature before, but attributed to activity associated to nearby Fort Pickett, an Army National Guard maneuver training center. One evening, he saw what he thought was a very large guardsman wearing a backpack and a ghillie suit walking along the road in front of his house. The second time, about a year later, when he saw the figure again, he called out to the figure and it began walking fast until it turned into the woods along the road and disappeared. What makes this account even more interesting is that there were two reports coming out of Fort Pickett by soldiers who were training there. Both incidents occurred during the course of the same day, about two weeks prior to this witness encounter. D.K. spent several nights camping out on the resident's property, later confirming unusual howling and movement in the woods that he believes was a Bigfoot. The creepiest time I have ever had in the wilderness was when I was being followed by what I assume was a homeless man or drifter. Now, I wasn't like miles away from civilization, but I was on a local park's path about 45 minutes from the parking lot. My wife and I were at a point where the amount of people was very slim. So we stopped for a drink of water at our halfway point, and across the canal I can see a guy in a jacket, full-length pants, and he has a sack with him probably full of human heads. It is like 90-degree weather, so to see someone in that outfit is fairly weird, let alone carrying a sack in the middle of the wilderness. I could see the guy looking at us, and I decided that we needed to head back to the car. So my wife and I start walking back when I decide to peek back about five minutes later, and the drifter is about 100 yards behind us. I have no clue how he got across the canal. Although my wife would later find out there was a small pipe he could have crossed, but at this time I thought he was super drifter or something. So we keep walking, and I would casually peek behind us every now and then. 
The drifter was always the same distance behind us. At one point, a guy on a mountain bike comes ripping around the corner of the path and directly at the drifter. He skids to a stop and they start having an argument. Their argument ends with a guy on the bike yelling at the drifter to get a job. Then he pedals off. I decided that we needed to walk faster, so I tell my wife to pick it up. Hopefully that will give us some distance from the drifter. I look back a couple minutes later and the drifter is about the same distance from us. I'm really confused at this point because my wife and I are not slow walkers at all. We both are runners and have good stamina or speed. This drifter in his full pants or jacket carrying a sack in 90 degree weather is keeping up with us. At this point, I'm beyond freaked out, so I tell my wife to pick it up even more. We are going at a very fast walk pace. I would say it was comparable to jogging, but in walking form. Every time I look back, the drifter is about the same amount of distance from me. Eventually, we start to see people on the path, and I just hope that the drifter decides he wants to stop and talk to one of those people, but he never does. He just keeps following us. We make it back to where we parked our car. It only took us 30 minutes to get back to our car. As we get in the car, dripping in sweat, we drive away and see the drifter emerge onto the sidewalk in town. I was probably 20, one, because I was sharing an apartment with my sister, and that would make her 18. It was in Thousand Oaks. The apartment was on the third floor, and we always had a bunch of friends over. It was pretty much the party apartment, so we had a bunch of friends over like once a week, and we would do our job. I didn't have a board, so what I did was I made one. I got a big piece of cloth, like t-shirt material jersey. I drew all the letters on it and made all the designs, and I created a I How Wide You Board, and I had like a glass ashtray a small glass ashtray that we could use as a pointer. So the ashtray would just go over the letters and we could see through. So we had a lot of fun with it. We'd ask silly questions just for the first few times. Everybody would ask questions and it was a lot of fun. And everybody had a good time. And then one night we had an entity come through. God, I don't even like to say his name because it still freaks me out to this day but he called himself A.J., and he would just at first just kind of play around with us. You know, I think he was just kind of stringing us all along kind of thing. We would ask who he was. When was he alive? How did he die, you know, those kind of things. And he told us that he died in a school bus accident, and all of the kids in the bus died, and we were like, ooh. We were getting kind of creeped up by that, and he said he felt so guilty about it, and it was his fault. I know it's hard to think that you could get that kind of information from a wedge aboard, but I mean this was over time, and so my sister and I tried to investigate. We didn't have an area, but we assumed it was from the local area, and we tried to investigate. We couldn't find any news stories about a major school bus incident like that. We looked at the local cemetery to see if we could see his name there. We couldn't find anything. So it got to the point where the friends would come over and this entity would always come through. We were like, we don't want to talk to you. We want to talk to somebody else. It just got to be, you know. It was starting to freak us out. 
So we were thinking, how do we get rid of this guy? And then all of a sudden, then he started coming to me in my dreams. So now I'm getting really tripped out. I'm like, I said to my sister, her name was Crystal. I'm like Crystal. We've got to get rid of this algebra board. He's starting to come into my dreams. We got to get this thing out of the house. It's a bad entity or whatever. I didn't ever see him in my dream. It was like he was talking to me in my dream and he told me his name. So that's how I knew who he was, but I didn't see him. It was just really freaky and bizarre and scary because I'm thinking, if we can not only come through a Yuja board, of course you know, I'm not thinking sensible, of course he come through anything. If he can come through the Yuja board, of course he can come into my thoughts or what have you. Jimmy Church asks if they ever found out who he was. We never found out who he was, and we decided to get rid of the Oija board. So we took the Oija board, and we threw it into the big apartment dumpster out back. We just threw it away, and we were like, no more Oijang. No more. We'll do something else. We'll have the friends over for a party, but we're not gonna Oija anymore. So, like a week later, my sister and I are in the kitchen, and we're cooking, and I said, get me the blah blah or whatever out, what I was asking for, and she goes to the drawer to put it out, and there, folded up in the drawer is, guess what, I'm serious, she's like Maria, look in the drawer, I'm like, how is it there, how did it get there, we threw it out, how did it get there, we ended up burning it, we were so freaked out, so scared, that was the end of it. Once I burned it, that was it. On or about September 25, 1973, I was enrolled in a doctoral course that met from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. at Baylor University. This course met two nights a week. After class, I was driving west for home when I noticed a bright light above Lake Waco. At first, I thought it was the planet Venus. However, as I continued to drive toward the lake as I lived on the west side of town, I noticed that the light was appearing more and more to my right. So I knew it wasn't, but it was probably a helicopter. Two nights later, as I drove home from class, I noticed the same light again. Since I wasn't sure if it was a helicopter or something else, I thought I would check it out. Instead of returning home, I drove over the bridge at Lake Waco and took the first exit to the right. This led to Spiegelville Park. I could see the craft was on the west side of the lake in a stationary position with a white light pointing east. As I approached the craft, it turned off the light and moved to the southwest. I could tell it was a black triangular craft. It crossed the highway, and I followed it. I got back on the highway and watched the craft cross over the highway and settle behind a clump of trees on the south side of the highway. I then took the next exit and crossed over on an overpass to the area where I saw the craft go down. I could not see the craft as I drove slowly past the trees. The road curved back east, and I pulled up about 100 yards, turned off my lights, but left the engine running. Looking in my rear-view mirror after a few moments, I saw it slowly rise from the trees and come toward where I was parked. It then pulled up to where I was on the other side of the fence. It turned to face me and remained motionless, making no sound. It was on the other side of what appeared to be a telephone line about ten feet above it. 
I could definitely tell that the craft was black, triangular in shape, about 20 feet wide and 30 feet long. It had a cockpit with a greenish hue inside, and I could see the shadows of three small heads peering down at me. After about four, five minutes, a green light appeared on my vehicle, causing the engine to die. I tried to restart it without success. I tried turning on my lights and radio, but nothing worked. Getting nervous, I locked my door. I sat there for a good 15, 20 minutes, trying every two, three minutes to start my engine. Finally, the engine turned over, and I drove down the road about another 100 yards where I put on my lights and turned around. As I drove past the craft on my left, it hadn't moved. When I got back on the highway heading east, I could see it was still there. About three years later, I saw what appeared to be the same craft above the lights at the south end of the La Vega football field. It was apparently observing a football game. My family and I headed to my wife's family for dinner, and I wanted to drive over and show her what I'd seen years earlier, but she didn't want to see. Having served two years in the FROTC and two years in the United States Army with a top-secret clearance, I can say without a doubt that this craft was not ours. I used to work in South Africa doing wildlife work, and on a normal day, I typically was out in the bush by myself. The area that I was working had the highest density of African leopards in South Africa, and when I started working there, I was told you will probably never see a leopard, but a leopard will probably see you every day. This was kind of creepy thought in its own right, but it didn't really bother me at all. We had some trail cameras set up in the area to catch photos of wildlife, and they obviously caught any people that would walk by as well. One day, one of the other researchers called me over and showed me a picture of myself walking past a game camera, and less than a minute later, a large leopard walked past the camera going in the opposite direction, coming from the direction I was walking towards. He must have heard me coming and just ducked off into some bushes for a second, watched me pass, and continued on his way. I had no idea. <laughs> 